may have been wondering where we were last week. Well, we weren't podcasting. We were being real life people in doing real life things. But guess what? We're back. Those Canadian lads are back for episode, I think, 23. Jeffrey, welcome back. I think it's 21. I think we rolled back a number. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you can do that. We went back in time. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's good to be back. Um, yeah, you'd think after a two-week break, we would have written a proper opening, but uh, we rolled up, hit play, or hit record, and uh, here we are. So we'll see where we end up. You know what? There's lots of things to talk about this week. There's so much to talk about. So you know what? We didn't want to waste your time, dear listener out of Virginia, with a big opening, a uh, big bombastic, you know, uh, tirade of what's going on in the UFO realm or how our dear Edmonton Oilers are doing or... Super League. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we'll roll off a bunch of subjects. The last two weeks have been uh, pretty eventful. We've got, we're two idiots with opinions. So why don't we get going? Brad, start us off. <laughs> so, yeah, no, let's get started with uh, our favorite topic, the topic du jour, uh, UFO news. There hasn't been a slowdown in regards to information being leaked out. Now, you have some very compelling i would say very compelling um information to share it's from a gentleman named mick west he's a uh a cynic in regards to the ufo whole uh, uh world he tries to not disprove it but he tries to you know give real world uh, explanations for what might be uh, out there um but uh two weeks ago or a week and a half ago i think it was last week um um the uh the ufo news broke it was a gentleman named jeremy corbell uh, and he released some very interesting information to the public, uh, through his Twitter feed. Oh no. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. good, good. Already, already starting off with a bang two minutes in right on. So Jeremy Corbell, he actually did the documentary Bob Lazar and area 51. Um, and it was actually quite popular out on the uh, Netflix. Um, but uh, he's been working with uh, George Knapp. And George Knapp is the gentleman who's uh, pretty much been breaking UFO news since the 1980s. Um, he's out of Las Vegas, George Knapp. And he's uh, a pretty uh, renowned uh, uh, journalist in his own right. He's won awards, things like that. Uh, not just only uh, reporting UFO news and stuff like that, but he's uh, uh, a renowned uh, journalist out of uh, Las Vegas. And you can be that if you want out of las vegas it's not about uh, casinos and prostitutes but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the hell it's not <laughs> <laughs> frosties uh anyways um so jeremy corbell and george knapp they released both released information um that uh, they were provided through leaks uh and it was confirmed uh, through pentagon not officials but pe- people through i think the the u.s government network that these have been received and these are official um photos released um through universe or the, the U.S. government. So um, the first set of video or photos are pictures from, uh, I believe it's an F-18 fighter pilot uh, with his iPhone 8. And uh, happened a few years back, but um, there was the original Batman balloon photo, which uh, came out, I want to say... <laughs> Well, people said it looked like a kid's birthday. Boy. It did look like a yeah, yeah, when, yeah. It did have that yeah. shape. Yeah, but uh, they've come out and nicknamed it apparently in the U.S. government uh, the Acorn um, UFO. Uh, another one came out. It was a silver blimp-looking cylinder, and uh, the third one that came out. Uh, what the hell do they call it? Uh, 
I don't know. I can't remember. But there's three photos that came out <laughs> in that realm. And then a couple days later, Jeremy Cobell releases his video of a triangular shaped um, UFO, apparently 700 feet uh, above the USS Russell, I believe. And uh, this, uh, I would know way too much about this, by the way. Um, this pandemic really needs to, to get uh, over and done with because <laughs> I've been deep diving into this shit hardcore. Uh, there's been a little too many in, in betweens between oily games. But that being said, um, there's all this interesting information coming about around this. And then uh, leading into this is that report coming out in June. And there's more and more chatter happening. There's more and more people with government credentials coming out and talking about this uh, phenomenon that uh, they don't know what it is. So um, maybe you want to jump into the the Mick West thing, Jeff, because, you know, it's always interesting to kind of get a, you know, a, a different opinion on, on what that might be. So, well, I, I've got two, two roads I wanted to go down in regards to this. And yeah, we'll, we'll start with the Mick West tweet. So um, he is a skeptic, uh, definitely tries to uh, find logical reasons for why evidence for anything exists. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believing skeptic. I, I think things need to be tested. I think you need to test the um, narrative that's going on when it comes to paranormal stuff. And I, it's not just with the aliens, it's with uh, Bigfoot and ghosts as well. So, um, And he had gone and tried to replicate uh, the findings of the pyramid video that was uh, taken with, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's the uh, green light, what is, what is it called? Night vision goggle-esque looking video where you see these, uh, sil- these pyramids and triangles flying in the sky. So they use, obviously, night vision goggles. It's at night. I'll say this, there's... So what they're saying this video is of is so they have reconnaissance teams called Snoopy teams on these ships yep. um, that are professionals and trying to obtain this type of, you know, footage. They find, they find anything. If they have anything that they need to eventually go back and re-identify what it possibly could be, they they pull this team out. Yes. Yeah. So the, I'm watching the video as we speak and, and it shows one ship and then another two. Um, but I get the point of, of where you're going to go with this is that, um, it could be just camera effects essentially. Yeah. And that's what this guy effectively had done is he had gone and replicated with a triangular lens on one of these cameras and how lights take a triangular shape. Um, when they, when you point this uh, camera out to the sky and Called he replicated bokeh, bokeh effect, bokeh effect. Yes. So, you know, as I said, it's somebody going a bit above and beyond and testing the theorem in regards to what we're potentially looking at. And, you know, as I said, I've watched the video a couple of times. He's put out a few uh, follow-ups as well. And quite frankly, uh, in regards to the realm where I'm sitting here going, yeah, I believe that there is UFOs and unidentified flying objects, but... um, and we see a compelling video and you're kind of like, yeah, that that's more further evidence that I think kind of goes down the effect. But when you get somebody who replicates evidence to, that proves that it can be done, not necessarily create a flying object, but can create that video, you have to look at that too. And say like, yeah, you have to weigh out both pieces of evidence in order to have like a natural opinion about what's going on. Yeah, no, I know. And you know what? That being said, the video, I would say like, I'm about I'm a 50-50 believer in that one. I, I think there is something could be something there. The ones that really are compelling are the three photographs, in my opinion. Um, the acorn. The, the sphere, the acorn, and the blimp. Um which aren't balloons, um, very clearly. 
the especially the orb. You don't think the ones? No, the orb one is creepy because there's video evidence outside. It's like people, you know, just people out in society getting these videos um, that are their similar thing. This orb one is really creepy. It's like um, there's there's other evidence of this type of, you guess, UFO out there in in the realm of um, the UFO Twitterverse or whatever you want to call it. The people doing research on this kind of topic, but um it's 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 very interesting, and these three uh, are very um, they're real. They're coming from an F eighteen fighter cockpit um, by a you an F eighteen fighter pilot, right? So I want this. This brings me to what I had alluded to in my tweet, and I judging by the no retweets or no likes, I don't think anyone saw it, which is probably well right. Um, before I dive into this, I will say the Bob Lazar documentary by Co- by Jeremy Coben. Uh, it's an excellent documentary. I very much enjoyed it. It's probably a very logical aspect in regards to somebody who may or may not have come in contact with evidence of a UFO crash landing. So if you get a chance, go check that out. I would check it out. Absolutely. Because that's a, if either you think Bob Lazar is full of shit or he's real, history will tell the test of time. And if this stuff starts coming out, um, maybe it's not this year, but maybe over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and if you're a guy like Bob Lazar who's like, hey, I told you guys this, I, that I played with the material, then yeah, great for him. He'll be able to rub it in everyone's face who called him a loser who runs him out of every town, apparently. You lunatic. But uh, this draws me to what I wanted to discuss. And I'm going to prefix this with something very simple. Um, I think if you've listened to this podcast before, you probably have gathered that Brad and I have different opinions in regards to people, politicians, uh, general government. And Brad can explain his own position on these type of things. But I will say that I am somebody who, one, I don't trust politicians. I don't trust the government. I think people are predominantly lazy, self-centered, and out for something. And that's what's taken me down this path a little bit. So... Uh, you've mentioned some of the people who are putting this information out for general consumption. Who's feeding these people the information? I don't know. No, no, you do know. We, you, we, you, people within the government. People within the government. Yeah. Former and current military representatives, uh, people who are theoretically some elected officials, people who work for elected officials. But a lot of it is the military contingent. Is that an accurate statement? Yes, it is. Okay. And I'm kind of seeing where you're going with this but uh yeah okay, keep you it. might okay let me finish off here so okay finish it off finish it off so most people know the american military spends the most of any military on the planet um but one of the things that has happened over pretty much since the cold war is that the percentage of military spending compared to the gdp of the united states has decreased steadily and quite frankly it's half of what it once was. Now you could say that that's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not here to argue that it's a good thing or a bad thing. I probably do think that $731 billion a year is probably sufficient for your military and defense budget. But, and, but I think what's happened is that because there's a lot of calls for veteran affairs, uh, military members being taken care of, uh, different um, things of importance that have risen up, as opposed to always pushing the American military might. Uh, Because let's face it, that 
even if you have a threat outside of America, nobody's really in the same realm as their their game. They have the best weapons. They have the the most the superiority of their technology, at least in regards to what we know other countries have. Like that that is to be said. Like we don't really truly know what a government like China might have, but yeah, I think the American military has got a pretty good idea of where they are in the world scale, and I'm sure they think it's number one. But would it not be plausible that those who are feeding the information out for general consumption are potentially getting it into the public's eye, getting it into the public's, uh, you know, your your day-to-day thoughts. Hey, we haven't had a threat really since the Cold War, and we really haven't had an attack on domestic soil outside of 9-11. Hey, what if something were to happen? What if it was an enemy that we never knew about? What if it was an enemy from the skies? And you're stifling our budget because of you're not spending to the correct percentage of the GDP that we're putting out. So you have these military officials feeding the information out to the reporters who want to report about it. Now it's hitting mainstream media, as we've seen. It's on ABC News. It's on NBC. It's on everything now. And it might be still a kind of joking story to a certain extent. I don't think so anymore. That's the one thing that's that that it's that tone is going away. Okay, to prove my point even more. Yeah. They're saying, "Hey, we have a threat and we want you guys to think about that threat." Now, does that threat truly exist? We don't know. Cuz all, the, ev- the, all the, the prospect evidence- of a threat allows the legitimacy of the topic. Well, even if there's not a threat and you just want to get your more money into the military's uh, pockets, you would create this threat. You, it's that, business. That, that's what I'm saying. It's now I'm I'm not as I said, I'm a believer in UFOs, but I you have to kind of examine some of the evidence and hey, who are some of the people that are giving out the information? Is is all effectively current or former military members and people who are involved in military budgets? And they're using people that we trust. Potential, potentially, they're potentially using people that we trust, like fighter pilots, like people in NASA, uh, Buzz Aldrin, whomever. They're using they're using names and like, hey, look at this guy's an all American hero. He wouldn't mislead you, but we're going to need that money because you have a threat that you don't know about. So I'm I'm starting to believe that we're going to have this report come out in June. And it's going to have a bevy of information. It's going to have a bevy of pictures, videos, uh, theories, everything that comes with it. I guarantee the next time there's an American budget proposed, there will be a definite increase in military spending, and they will have achieved their goal as a result. It was nice knowing you, Jeff. (laughs) I'm I'm not saying it's nefarious. In the, in the sense that the Americans want to use additional money to take over the world or do anything. And quite frankly, they're probably just uh, strengthening themselves, which they're free to do. I have no problem with that. But I will say, though, it's just like if we get a bunch of more blurry videos and things that can be replicated via night vision cameras, I'm telling you, I, the next time they put a budget out and it's an increase in military spending, it, to me, that will almost complete the puzzle to a certain extent. There's got to be coming the money shot. Right. So Lou Elizondo, we've talked about him on the show. um, Former military member. Former military member. Still still towing that line. Still towing the NDA line. You know, he's got a, he's got an NDA. Can't talk about it. You know, doesn't want to go to jail. Um, (laughs) He's towing the line 
And he was on a guy named Gaddy Schwartz. And this is a, on NBC on the Peacock streaming service, uh, a news show that they're doing. And uh, uh, Gaddy's uh, been covering some of these topics over the last little while and giving, like I said, that serious tone, not doing the old, uh, you know, X-Files music in the background, like, you know, looking at it. Hey, these things are flying over, um, you know, U.S. military um, sites, nuclear sites, things like that. Right. Like it's uh, they're really pushing that narrative, right, of a, a potential threat, although there's never been an attack or anything, you know, like that. But um, if there is if this is coming from something um, that we don't know of this earth. Uh, but that being said, um, the one thing that he did release in, in, in this conversation and, you know, Gaddy's like, well, is it all these videos? And he's like, no, most of it hasn't seen the light of day. And, you know, we're talking about images of like, you know, not thousands of feet away, but like 50 feet away from a cockpit, like close up images, things like that. So I, 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 I would tend to agree. Like there, there's always a backstory. There's always an, um, uh, something, you know, pushing the narrative. Right. And that, that could be one thing, right. Or there's just too much evidence and there's too much chatter going on about this to kind of hide it, ignore it as, as well. Right. Cause there are people in the public forum, you know, pushing this, this story out there and it's getting more and more. Um, but then again, it is being propped up by political figures. Right. So, um, yeah, it's hard to say, right. I like, I'll, I'll liken it to the fact of, um, there's, uh, obviously people who uh, get down on the conspiracy theory train. And as a result, there's a chatter of uh, a pedophile sex ring running out of a pizza shop. And we've discussed it previously. And for the most part, as society, we don't acknowledge those type of things, except for when things go horribly wrong, because we just go, yeah, those people are nut bars. We don't really care. So I don't, I, I don't really think the American government or any government for that matter is going to um, uh, effectively like, go, oh, well, people are talking about it. Therefore, we have to finally acknowledge it because we can they can ignore everything. They've every government ignores things all the time. The Canadian government just put their budget through and they ignored all types of things that people were clamoring for. So so I don't know. I as I said, to me, it seems like it's a valid uh, theory on my part. But it is my I own think it theory. Is. So yeah, but, no, I don't just disagree with you at all, yeah. right? Because there's got to be mo there's there's motive behind it, right? There's definitely, and it, it could obviously drive military spending, but also drive innovation. You know, if these are things that are, um, you know, breaking the laws of physics, and new science is breaking every single day um, with quantum computing and and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, so who knows, right? Like. All I know is there's that narrative is picking up in the mainstream media. We wouldn't be talking about this if the David Fravor story never would have came out with like um, the Tic Tac UFO um, in 2004, uh, part of the video that was released uh, in, in 2017 in the New York Times article. Um, we wouldn't be talking about this stuff if that stuff never would have broke out, right? This would be this would be in the background, right? But they broke that. They released a lot of that information during COVID. The Pentagon came out and said, yes, these videos are real. It flew under the radar. Well, now it's picking up steam, right? Because the the COVID news cycle, either people are tired or it's kind of moving away, right? They're trying to continually, the media, you know, push the COVID 
um, uh, you know, story over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But people are just tired to it. And I think that's another reason why <laughs> the numbers are up in Alberta and Ontario, but uh, and across oh, yeah, the country yeah. in the third wave. But uh, I think people are just o- over it, which is unfortunate because people people's lives are at stake. But um, but older lives, I guess you should say yep. that, too. Well, uh, I'll- but. Let me double back on that. But like in regards to like the tick, the Tic Tac video, you know, we are, you know, we, we've we've looked up the fact that there is a Lockerbie drone that does resemble the the UFO in the uh, Tic Tac video. And we're effectively trusting that the video itself does show evidence that the fighter jet couldn't even keep up with the drone itself and that it was taken and they're like oh look it's we're showing that it's showing forces that are incapable of technology that we've had before we're trusting that 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 video and that breakdown of that video is actually legit so as i said it's like we they they weren't too far off of showing a a drone that looked similar to that video uh and then potentially using it in this and who's to say the video wasn't even backdated but as it it's one of those things that could come out. Um, we'll, we'll obviously wait and see what the June report offers offers us. But, but to your point, it, regardless of what the reasoning is, you, you're right. They picked their timing hundred percent correct. Cause you had a, you had a populace that was just exhausted of hearing the same news over and over again. People have strayed from their regular news feed because they have a little bit more, I'll say free time, but they're probably just choosing to sit on their couches and scroll through their phones longer than they typically had. And yeah, and they're like, hey, people are catching wind of this type of weird stuff and people are taking interest that strayed away from what they normally did. Like I said, you and I had discussed UFOs and paranormal stuff in the past, but you had never taken this much of an interest until hockey was effectively shut down and you had a shit ton of free time oh yes that's the thing and now that the uh covid hit the vancouver canucks and uh, and montreal canadians and affected my mighty oils uh nhl schedule i have had more time to follow this great story and thank you to jeremy corbell and uh george knapp for feeding my <laughs> my interest levels over those last couple of weeks <laughs> because they would have been really boring i would have watched more uh uh, documentaries like Tina, the Tina Turner documentary on HBO Max. I don't really need to. I, I know enough of that story in regards to Ike being just a horrible piece of shit. I don't need to. It's find fantastic. Out more is it? It's fantastic. It's fucking fantastic documentary. <laughs> Last night I watched one on the movie Full Metal Jacket. It was awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, I'm watching one. Uh, the art heist in Boston. I think it's called like This Is a Robbery, and I'm enthralled with it. So my wife is not enthralled with it. Bastin. All right. Yeah. So lots of UFO news happening, listener. I'm so glad we're the ones bringing it to you. If you are listening to the podcast, um, dig it in, dig into it on Twitter. Get into it. Uh, get get chatting with us on on the uh, Twitter feed as well. Um, you know, if you find this shit interesting, because uh, I know I do. And Jeff, uh, he he's gonna rip that fucking toilet out of the out of the wall here pretty soon one of these days they're going to release some the skinny bob uh, ufo photo guy is going to be real and he's just going to be like what i told brad that was a fake no that is a fake and there's no threat of the skinny bob video making me impressed by anything (laughs) i just love the name of it too skinny bob yeah have you seen the skinny bob that's how you know they didn't even invest the time into making a good name for it so (laughs) (laughs) okay so moving on 
from the UFO topic du jour on those Canadian lads podcast. So what did you want to bring up next, Jeffrey? Well, um, before we go down into the cellar and I go angry again, uh, why don't we talk about the, obviously the Oilers have had a bit of a messed up schedule over the previous two weeks. Um, I think they'd gone a stretch where they only played two or three games over an eight day period, which was, you know, it's unfortunate. It's, um, it's the re- hard, cold reality of, of COVID season. As you said, Montreal got their Montreal and Vancouver both had their uh, schedules screwed up. Vancouver, the worst of all of them, and congratulations to them. Congratulations to them for bouncing back after uh, effectively a three week layoff and laying it to Toronto, and then or winning in overtime, and then they won their game last night as well. So good for them for bouncing back a bit, and quite frankly, taking points away from guys that uh, the Oilers could potentially catch. So yeah, I'm okay with that. So that's fine. But here's my theory on this. Everybody on Twitter and people out there, oh, the Vancouver, they shouldn't be playing. You know, they they just had a respiratory illness and blah, blah, blah. They won't be coming back the same. They came back fucking great yeah. and won back-to-back games. So that doesn't tell me shit about how COVID and the variants have affected them. And maybe it was a tough go over the last little while, uh, but they obviously recovered because they beat the top team in the North Division yeah. twice. In a row. In a row, yeah. I think I think they were right when uh, when Miller complained about the fact that they were going to try to force him to play after like one practice. I I think it was right to delay that. And that was uh, that was fine because that, that was, was the right move. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, was the right move. But for people to come out and say, "Oh, they shouldn't be playing at all," you know, they have the right to say no too. You know, they they could have yep. came out and said, "You know what? This I'm is unsafe. Playing. I'm not playing." I don't know. I'm not going to say it was overblown, but. You know, it obviously didn't affect them physically like people wanted it to, to be fe- affected. So the you, new you, story. I was going to say, do you do you think that was uh, a hope effectively for some people I that they people, wanted? Yeah. I think people did want that as a hope. There's a segment of the population that, you know, it is be- they're benefiting from this news as well. You know, people in the healthcare industry, I'm not talking nurses or doctors and like that, but there's people benefiting from the news in regards to this from, you know, funding points of view, things like that. Right. And I don't know. It's just, yes, they got sick. It's terrible. We know people die of this, this illness. Um, we've all sort of been, you know, going through this for the last year plus now. Um, but I don't know. It, the narrative was just too negative in the sense that, Oh my God, they got COVID and they're going to, you know, yeah, it sucked. But they, well, played, I think, they played two NHL games and won them both. Yeah, they looked, and as I said, I didn't watch them, but obviously there was that great save, uh, I think, in the first one, and that was that, that's pretty nuts. But yeah, I, I think you're, you're 100% right. The team, individual players had an option to play or not, and chose to play for the ones that did, and they played well. So, and uh, you had another thing too that you had brought up. Um, uh, something about Twitter reactions in regards to players, uh, specifically somebody like Tyson Berry and people complaining, oh, yeah. that he, complaining that he's playing well. And I, I need to, I need you to provide it's, evidence. Or it's in relation to Bouchard. There, I saw a guy today saying, Oh, they're wasting Evan Bouchard. They're, they're wasting him. First of all, Evan Bouchard played in Sweden this year. He played but, games this physical year and he played a lot of them. Okay. Yeah, so don't give me the shit <laughs> that he hasn't fucking played and that we're ruining him. It's a different year. Now, second of all, 
We've got Tyson Berry. He sound, he, he signed, he bet on himself and he's paying off. And you know what? Euler fan who's fucking saying, oh, Evan Bouchard, you know, we don't want to waste him, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, we bury this, bury that. And that's the, there are, there is a segment of the, of the Euler verse out there saying, oh, you know, if we didn't have Tyson Berry, you know, we, we, we'd be giving Bouchard a chance. This, there's some fans that would rather bet on the prospect than the fucking player putting points in the net right now. And you know what? I'm going to say it right now. Holland, sign him. Fucking sign him. Throw money at Barry. I don't give a shit. I'm, fuck, fuck you, you fans who think, oh, I'm just, I, yeah. I think my I think my main question is because I, I had asked you for to see these tweets. Because <laughs> I, I think you're getting wrapped up with one or two people. <laughs> no, no, it's there are, there is a segment out there. That a, segment just, of, a segment of how many? I don't know, whatever, like 10. <laughs> like two people. <laughs> like, oh, I, I hate people. I hate the two people who love uh, Big Turk chocolate bars. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I just think that, you know what? Shut your pie holes. Enjoy the ride. You know, Barry's playing great. He sets up nicely in the six, six-man decor. Um, you know, you got Darnell playing awesome. You got friggin' Tyson with a blast of a shot. Uh, I would expose Clefbaum to the, to the Seattle uh, Kraken. Um, yeah. Let him go. You know, you do have Bouchard for next year. He will be an NHL player. But just sit back. Enjoy the ride. Stop thinking about all these prospects that we... Prospects, sorry. Um, that are waiting in the wings. Um, they haven't proven shit yet. And, like, enjoy the success that we're having now. And there's just always... There's that... that smarter than everybody attitude well there's these prospects we got to get these prospects in well you know what maybe bouchard comes in he plays like shit and we don't make the playoffs or he gives up a bad goal in the playoffs i'd rather have tyson berry somebody who's actually played a game or two in the playoffs than uh, an unproven rookie ethan bear looked really good the last couple of games you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> eat my words i'm gonna eat my words i want to a couple weeks ago, I uh, I came on this podcast and I wanted Ethan Bear traded, trade him, right? And now, trade him, get him out of here. You know what? <laughs> that kid has turned his game around. It's actually funny. It's probably one of the few things people have reached out to me online about about comments that were made on the podcast, and I was like, wow, I can't believe that actually hit home for a few people. <laughs> Yeah, I, was, I don't want to was, pile on, but I was wrong. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not going to pile on you. Um, as a generality, I do in a, in a normal year, I would be more annoyed with how it, uh, Bouchard has been developed, and I'd be more annoyed that he's not playing in the NHL team. I'd be more annoyed that he's not playing in the AHL. But it's not a normal no, year. You can't put it in context. I, I, like but that. that's my point: is that yeah. I'm people normal, can't wrap their friggin' heads around that, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm I'm better than regular people, so I can wrap my head around it. Hello, Jeff. But, but um, I know I will say like it is a tough year. I in a normal year I would have preferred from the being the HL, not sitting in the press box. Um, he did play in Europe. He came over when the season was uh, about to get rolling and everything. So, so yeah, you're right. He, it, I think it will. I think it will slow down his development a little bit, but. Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily pull anyone out of the lineup to replace him or use to replace with. Um, Barry's having a phenomenal year. I'm I'm nervous about what they may or may not do with his contract because I do think that he's going to get an offer before they probably get into free agency. 
Uh, I think Mike Smith probably deserves uh, a talking to before he hits free agency as well. Being like, hey, listen, uh, we're not going to give you get a talking to and a nice bum slap for coming through. (laughs) Well, that's that's exactly it. I think almost as like an attaboy, you have to go to him and be like, hey, listen, we're not going to let you hit uh, free agency without an offer. And it's not going to be six million, but it might be three compared to the one and a half you got this year and you don't have to move your family next year. How do you, how do you feel about that? I would love to see him back. And I'm as most will test you, I am not a Mike Smith fan, but I think he deserves something for what's been, what's happened this season. So, and yeah, Tyson Berry's going to get a, hopefully get an offer as well. I'm a little bit nervous because they have, uh, I think 23 or 24 million available in the cap next year. And I could see them, blowing their load over one player. Now, I think that's more of a former GM, not necessarily Ken Holland's uh, approach, but I really don't want to see um, effectively $28 million tied up amongst Barry, Dreisaitl, and McDavid because it's hard to build around a team. Yeah, no, I I agree with you there, although I did... It makes me a little hot, right? Like we're currently <laughs> can't tell. <laughs> 27, 15, and two. We're sitting third in the North Division, one point back of the Jets, only a few points back of the Leafs. You know, we're chasing chasing them down. Like I said, one two scenario, really good home ice advantage in the playoffs, meaning knowing that I know it doesn't mean shit, but at least you have the comfort of playing in your own arena, sleeping in your own bed. Uh, all that kind of stuff to start off the series. So I'll take it. And they're running. They're running right now at home. They're doing. They're on a good little little stretch of home games and some home wins. And that win against Montreal the other night, that was a playoff game. And they stepped up to the uh, to the plate against a bigger team. And they pushed back. And they shoved it down the throat of the Montreal Canadiens. So um, I'm happy with the way this team is going. I'm excited for what they can do in the offseason because this year isn't their year. If they make some noise in the playoffs, they make some upsets, that's good. Good in their development. I don't expect them to win the Stanley Cup, although I'd love them to win the Stanley Cup. Um, Everybody loves the Cinderella story. Um, So if they go on and win it, good. Great, great times. I'm going to be in real rough shape. But next year, that's the window. They can get the goalie they want. They can get some forwards that need to play with the top six. Uh, Maybe get their third line center. They're setting up for a real nice developmental play here going into next year with cap room and the development of some players. Evan Bouchard can step in and play in the top six. Broberg's out there, um, you know, in the wings waiting to come in. Who I'm really excited for, Ryan McLeod. You know, next week we're going to see this kid come in um, and and hopefully turn some heads. He's a big body; he can skate, and uh, we'll see what he can do uh, uh, with the 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 main club. Doesn't sit well that his idol was Ryan Smith. So let's see what uh, kind of hockey smarts this guy has. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see what comes through. Fan Pride favorite. of Banff, Alberta, Ryan yep. Smith, fan favorite. Yeah, I obviously they're they're on a they're on a great stretch. I think after the Montreal game, they were nine two and two in the last thirteen. Um, interesting, you said they're ki- killing it at home. I think the top four teams in the division all have a better winning percentage on the road than at home, which is uh, kind of like what we talked about on a previous podcast in regards to home ice isn't nearly as advantageous as it has been in previous years. But yeah, you're right. You can't beat home cooking and can't beat sleeping in your own bed, but. Yeah, I, uh, at the end of the day, I probably agree with you. They're they're going to run into Toronto in the second round would be my bet if they do beat uh, Winnipeg or depending on how it shakes out. But I think the North Division runs through Toronto at one point or another. 
and that's going to be a tough order. Um, obviously, they improved at the trade deadline. Uh, getting Nick Foligno is always good, and they got their backup goaltender in Riddick. Uh, but uh, who's to say how it shakes out? And I do think it will be interesting once the four divisions play each other in a series. Uh, how, you get you might get exposed pretty pretty damn quick. I could you know, see. With, I'll give I you an see example. Like, hey, go ahead. The 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 division like the Avalanche are and they're playing fucking uh, Anaheim, San Jose, and LA who are both all in retools. So some of those like you can't say the teams in the North are are playing in a less um, hard harder division. There's some that division right there. Um, you know that's a killing field. That used to be Murderers Row in the Pacific. Yeah. But right now that's a friggin' that's a free spot in the bingo card. Yeah, those Cali teams fell on hard times after a very good long run. So, it, but that that's what happens. It's the same thing going on in Detroit. But I don't know. At the end of the day, I'd still, if somebody said to me, hey, all right, uh, playoffs are on now. You're going to go play Colorado or Vegas. If as an Oilers fan, I'd be like, who is a little nerve wracking. I think those teams are probably set up better to go deeper than the Oilers. So this, this year. Yeah, this year. Yeah. But, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this year. Future years will come. So. Yeah, this year they got to focus in on uh, uh, hopefully playing Winnipeg in the first round, and that's mm-hmm. going to be a tough series. But I think the Oilers can can win it, and then Toronto, you're going to have to have a pretty Herculean effort to uh, to take out the the mighty Toronto Maple Leafs who've went all in to make it to the conference final, the final four of the Stanley Cup this year. They went all in. That Nick Foligno uh, pickup is huge. Oh yeah, no, they're 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 definitely. You can tell they've they've spent to the last minute, the last dollar in regards to like, we got to push into the Stanley cup finals. So uh, digressing a little bit, but I don't know if you had a chance to watch that entire Montreal game on Monday. Um, oh, it was awesome. I was, I, because of the break uh, in hockey and unfortunately I missed the Winnipeg game for the most part on Saturday. So I was really jonesing to watch a full hockey game. And that was possibly one of the best games I've watched in a long time. That was a phenomenal that you, you always talked about how you wanted playoff hockey through the North division. That was legitimately an example of what I think you were hoping for. Yeah. Hopefully that's a precursor for what the playoffs are going to bring. Right. So um, that was hit them hard, big boy hockey. They put their big boy pants on that night and, uh, and went after it. And that's what I said. The Oilers didn't back down to the bigger team. McDavid was throwing hits. Cassian was engaged fuck jujar jujar you need to get your head straightened out before you hit back on the ice that uh that hit was hard but buddy you uh you got to get your head straight uh we don't need to see those uh those eyes roll back in the back of your head again and uh, have you wobbly skate off the ice there because that was uh that was pretty ugly i like jujar too he's a he's a good player so uh i'm i'm wishing him well yeah you're listening jujar (laughs) <laughs> which he's most definitely is of course yeah. i don't know it was that was uh i obviously it sounds like he's doing well i think he's gonna bounce back relatively quick but that was a good hit it was it, that was just the theme of that game it was a lot of good hits and you know one of the things i did like and i'll ne- not necessarily take full credit on this thought but as mark Spector had pointed out mcdavid went full crosby in regards to like fine i'm getting touched i'm getting grabbed i'm getting hooked uh, this happens routinely. I'm going to continuously carry this puck into the zone, and I'm going to make you guys pay for it on the ski- on the score sheet somehow. And that he he had a phenomenal game doing that. That goal he scored again. There's nobody uh, in hockey who's ever been able to. He made two elite defensemen look like friggin' junior players, first years. 
you know what? Like when Edmondson went like and stuck out the hip check a little bit, you could tell he was kind of just grasping at straws. But I was like, man, if I was him, I'd be like, I'm just going to yank this guy down and let the penalty shots happen because fuck, I I can't stop this. <laughs> oh man, it was unreal. So that game, yeah, it was good. I I will upset uh, uh, John doe hockey fan edmonton oiler fan once more though um they're going to be upset at me on this topic but uh ryan nugent hopkins pick your friggin' game up man because you're not playing like well at all you suck right now and you don't deserve the money you're asking for right now so put some pucks in the net fucking work your wrist a little harder you know that little off shot like off tempo wrist shot that he has it's not working anymore put some zip on the puck finish the finish some shit you're not you're not doing well at all five on five you're playing poor hmm. i'm not gonna argue too much what's he asking for too much you do actually <laughs> i don't i'm not in, i'm not in negotiations jeff what, what i'm that? not an nhl general manager or, or agent how how would I know what he's asking for? Well, you, you All I know he, is he's asking he for too much. It could be two and a half. No, he's That's not. He's problem. asking for like seven, probably. I eight. know, I know, I know. All right. Um, anything else about the about the Oilers you want to talk about before we digress? Well, I'm just so excited for playoffs. Okay. So excited. Just so jacked up. Can't wait. You know, the, I know our, this podcast will probably turn into a hockey podcast during the uh, the playoffs. So. At least stay until, tuned at least until the others get bounced out but uh before we'll end on good news in regards to the cfl but but before we do that i'm gonna get into gripe mode pretty heavily here so um for those who don't know i am a premier premier league soccer fan uh i grew up watching soccer with my dad uh for those who don't remember I'm going to say it was TSN, but I could have been the score, but you'd get up early, really early on Saturday at like five 30 or six in the morning to watch soccer Saturday, which was whatever bullshit game they gave you. You never saw Chelsea man United. You, you never saw any of those great games. It was always like Burnley versus West Ham. And as a kid, I'd be like, I, I don't know who any of these people are, but my dad got me into soccer and, if his team Everton was ever playing, it was all hands on deck for the most part. But so as a result, I, you know, I fell in love with the game. I played it th- up through high school. Um, I always, I still watch it, still pay to watch it because that's what you get in North America. For anyone who's living under a rock, uh, six English Premier League teams and uh, three Italian, three uh, Spanish uh, effectively tried to f- create their own league with two more teams or three more teams and then have a five-team play and called it the Super League. Oh, super. Um, at the time of this recording, the Super League is dead, which as a fan is great news. Um, you know but- what, Jeff? I got to jump in there. It seemed sure. really fucking hokey, first of all. So on Sunday night, they released this news. And like, it, like who releases that on a Sunday night? Like... Well, or, two days like, out. Sorry, good. They're like the richest sports clubs in the world. You're talking. We're talking like Manchester United and friggin' Chelsea and Liverpool. You know, like in, in Juventus and all, you know all these other teams. These big clubs in the in the world. And they <laughs> maybe educate the listener on what they were trying to do. First of all, well, there, there's a few things, and I, I will point out the Premier League. Um, sometimes that marquee game is Sunday night. 
and it's a late game. Like in our time frame, it'll be like a noon one o'clock game. But for them, that is a nine, eight o'clock, nine o'clock game on a Sunday night. So it's a little bit different than the North American kind of sports schedule. But what they had done is they had announced it two days after the UEFA vote in regards to the changes to the Champions League. Um, and I think that was definitely considering that there's, I'm going to say there's three board members of these clubs that sit on the champion on the UEFA board as well. Uh, that was a direct stab in the back to UEFA. Now, before I get hot and heavy here, I am not, I am not uh, defending UEFA. I'm not defending FIFA. These are corrupt organizations. These are greedy organizations as well. So I as, take this all as in that context as well. But the, for those that don't watch soccer, who predominantly watch North American sports, here's where I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a history lesson on things. The soccer model, the football model of how you build your team and how your club becomes a world power is you play in leagues where you can be relegated or you can be brought up a level and you have to earn that. And then once you earn the right to play in the Premier League or whatever, Serie A, uh, the Bundesliga, uh, the French League, it's you earn the right to play in that league. And there's always going to be discrepancy in those leagues, just like in a salary capless uh, baseball season or a salary capless NHL season, if you want to go back far enough. There's always teams that have the, there's always teams that are the haves and haves nots. Effectively, the six teams that tried to break off, and they weren't trying to break away from the Premier League. I, I want to be clear about that. But they wanted to break off and create a competition in which they always competed in. And effectively usurp a position away from the Champions League. One of the things, just like I was describing with the Premier League, is you have to earn your right to play in that league. You have to develop. You have to get better. You have to win. And you have to qualify. It you is, have to play yourself into the Champions League as well, right? That's right. So if you're playing in England, you got to pl- be in the top four. Uh, fuck, now I'm going to say it. I'm going to sound like an idiot because it, it is top, fo- uh, top fo- four. Uh, to qualify and then you get put in the group stages and then you have to qualify to the group stages to start playing into some really meaningful games. This is effectively the ultimate competition because it's difficult while you play your league games. You also have in England specifically, you have the FA cup, you have the Caraboa cup, which is nothing for the most part, but the FA cup is kind of important, but you have to earn your spot. And for you to say, we are going to be 15 teams in a 20-team league in which every year we are usurping $3.5 billion, $5.5 billion, $7.5 billion of TV money away from the other leagues, the Champions League, and teams that are the have-nots, you are preventing them from ever becoming that team. You are, you are holding all the money. You are effectively stealing from every one of these other teams and ruining any chance of them ever padding their bank account and being able to buy the quality players that you guys have purchased in the past. And the fucking hypocrisy that comes from this bullcrap. These teams did not start the major leagues that they play in currently. And some of these clubs have been around since like 1878, which I think is when Everton came into existence. These teams were able to go out and buy players, were able to become world powers by winning games in the FA Cup, by winning, uh, getting up into the Premier League, eventually winning titles, qualifying for champions. But the point is, it is not given to you. You have to fucking earn it. And if you take away that chance, you take away chances from others. Like Leeds United was a major club. Because of some 
uh, discrepancies and some accounting errors, we'll call them. They got relegated down to three leagues. After like a 15-year absence, they finally climbed back into the Premiership. How did they do that? By winning games. And now that they're in the Premier League, they will become a world power once again. But you have to do it the right way. Man City was the same thing. They are a world power owned by a Russian oligarch who is probably one of the richest men on the planet. And truth be told, stories I'm hearing is that he was kind of wishy-washy on this idea anyways because he doesn't have a British visa and they're probably not going to let him back in the country as a result of trying this. But <laughs> Sell him! Sell him! <laughs> Man City was a Div 2 club into the six, into like the 1960s. They had to win FA games to qual- to get that money. Once you get that prize money, you're able to start buying talent and start able to grow your club. That's exactly what you have to do. And them trying to jump in now, I, once again, all these clubs have jumped away from this idea after immense public pressure for two days and quite frankly, political pressure as well. But you've forgotten your roots and you've forgotten the roots of how these clubs came to be. It's total bullshit. And I will say, and I tweeted it out, talk to my dad about it. I am now a former Man United fan. Are you I will, done? I'm done. I'm done with Man United. I gave oh, away. Are you I gave. Serious? I don't. I donated my jerseys. No. Yeah, I'm done. Shut up. Are, are you? No, you're joking. No, I'm done. I don't. I. I walk. Hey, I'm walking so away. I'll give the. I've known you for over 20 years. You've worn those jerseys with pride. You know, when we were going to Nate, you were rocking Man you you jerseys. You know, things like that. You know, supporting the club. <clears throat> Excuse me, but uh, that's a. That's a big takeaway. Holy shit, Jeff. Yeah, I know. It's it is it is a step in the wrong direction. It is turning your back on the history of the game. It is being insanely greedy, first off. And uh and second off, it's the like, Glazers, by the way, first of all. Educate the, me a little bit. Yeah, who are the Glazier brothers? Well, actually, it is um it's a bigger family than that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, now I'm going to sound a little hypocritical because they own the mighty Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. Oh, are you serious? They're the <laughs> owners of your football team and your football team? They weren't originally the owners of Man United. Man United is a publicly traded club. Um, and the Glazers own the majority of the shares, and I think they actually tried to pull it off the market at one point. But but yeah, no, it's unfortunately, I cheer for one of the franchises they own. Now, the Glazers are... The ownership of the Glazers coming into Man United effectively marked the end of Man United being a well-run super club. Now, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And obviously, uh, one of the greatest managers of all time having to finally stepping away from the game is more the cause of that. But these guys, and I will say, I don't think it's any coincidence that five of the six English teams that were part of this are owned by foreign entities, four of the five by American entities. And well, I, this just smells, first of all, like educating myself on the Super League. This smells of American, um, you know, trying to franchise a, sp- a league, essentially, you know, almost like a, an NFL type property, right? Like um, this, like putting all of the, the heavy hitters in, in one room, um, you know, if from a marketing standpoint, it's a, it's a good business move. But from a histor- historical point of view, and I think that's where they made the mistake, you know, the NFL is only around what a hundred years. Uh, no, I think it's, I'm going to say like 80 some years. Okay. Close enough. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that yeah. being said, you know, the English football, 
you know, and, and world football has been around a lot longer and these teams are built by the communities. They, you know, they, they play in, oh. Right. Some of these clubs are, their home is the local pub. Now there's no chance that team doesn't compete with a man United or a Chelsea or quite frankly, well, West Ham's actually quite good this year, but uh, uh, Crystal Palace, they don't, they don't compete against these teams because it's, and you'll probably get out of Div 4. But that is the story of the game out of these teams. And you have an entity or a group of owners who want to usurp that story. And it's turning your back on the history of the game. It's why people like myself got, got into it. You pick a team, you learn the history. The And United is... Now I'm just going to digress into my just frustration with United, but like they're this is a team that lost a major chunk of their staff and a few players in a plane accident. They effectively had 1960s, right? That's right, and they had to rebuild the the fucking club for the most part. And so obviously, because you guys were a superpower, you're able to do that. No, you had to do that on the back of the fact that the league around you supports teams growing. It's total bullshit. And for and once again. Poor decision making, being stupid with your money. They went from one of the largest clubs in the world to probably number four or five. They probably went from number one or two because Real Madrid's huge. But you know what? You want you need more money. You need more money. Don't go bring up Paul Pogba in your academy, sell him for pennies on the dollar, and then buy him back for 110 million pounds, and then don't know how to play with him and don't and he doesn't want to play there. You know what? You don't have to pay him 110 million dollars to have a player who doesn't want to fucking be there. And then you guys are bitching and moaning about how, oh, the competition against clubs like Crystal Palace or Burnley or oh, they don't allow us to pat our pockets. That's why we have to go play Real Madrid or Atletico. It's like, go fuck yourself. The system fucking works. You're a fucking asshole. You guys can't control shit. And go screw yourself. Uh, it's oh, infuriating. It. It's infuriating. I'm sad for you. I'm sad because that's a hard thing to do. It'd be like me I'm throwing done. an Euler jersey away and donating it. The, like. C- Consider it this way. Think about if you took the NHL landscape, especially pre-salary cap, and you said uh, eight biggest clubs, you guys are going to go form your own league. So you get uh, Leafs, uh, Habs, uh, Rangers, Boston, uh, I don't know, Philly. (laughs) Help me out with the largest clubs. New York. Uh, New York. You get those guys and they go, we're starting our own league. The rest of you guys can piss off. Oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of talent coming into Winnipeg or Edmonton or even Vancouver, for that matter. It's like, that's what this is. You're trying to usurp the world talent. And although I don't know, think it was enforceable, I'm glad UEFA said, fine, fuck, we're going to kick you guys out of the Champions League. You won't get that money. And then FIFA said, fine, your national players can't go play in the Euro Cup or the World Cup. And once again, oh, it was a heavy handed type, you know, response. Oh, and then it had to on be the, on the other side of things, the way these teams folded shows a lot of you know character as well on their side they folded like cheap tents like oh chelsea played their game yesterday and while trying to drive on drive their team bus into the fucking um into the training into the grounds to play peter check one of the most famous best players that chelsea's ever had had to step off the bus to tell the fans to please let them through while they were screaming at the team like that's how angry these fans were. They couldn't get into the grounds to play the game until one of the most beloved players asked the fans to finally move, step aside. And that's what they deserve. I guess we won't be talking about Manchester United again. We talk about Everton. Everton's uh, going to play in Europe next year from the looks of it. They're playing well, so I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> so. Are you going to become an FC Edmonton supporter? Well, I've 
I am in the sense that it's like it'd be great if they could play well, but it's just not the talent's not there. It's you know I, I hate to say this, but if you're going to sell soccer uh, in North America, you can't sell it with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the weakest response ever, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's just face. admit it: the product sucks. Yeah, the product sucks. Yeah, no, I, I hate to say they play it. Play on like, a football I'll, field with football lines. Yeah. And the, sorry, that's just what it is. Like, it's it's hard to sell the game. And let's face it, North Americans as a generality have not taken to soccer. And I get uh, it. You, MLS has grown immensely. It's, it's not one of the major leagues leagues anymore or right now, but it's grown to a, a pretty, I think, uh, respectable base. Yeah, I think the M- MLS has gone in waves, and I think they're probably at the best peak they've ever had, quite frankly. And actually, they did a great job with their tur- their COVID tournament last year when they brought everyone down to Orlando and played under the lights. It, they did a fantastic job with that. But but as a, the general sports fan is not clamoring for more uh, premiership or Serie A talk. I'll say that much. <laughs> so. No. Well, All right. I'm sorry to hear that you've moved on from the mighty man you, and, uh, maybe they'll fix that, uh, one day down the road and you'll, no. you'll jump back onto the, uh, no, you're dead. They're dead to you. eh? dead to me. As long as oh. the glaze, as long as the glazers own them, I'm, I'll never go back there. And ironically, I'll cheer for Tampa still. So oh, I respect the model in the NFL already, but anyways, uh, speaking of football, before we wrap up for the night, uh, did you catch the CFL news? Yeah, no, uh, you know what? It, some news is better than no news and I'm glad they came out with something. So, um, obviously they've come out with a potential start time to when they want to start the season as a 14 game schedule and then a December gray cup in Hamilton. That's going to be awesome. Uh, but that being said, they hope to get the bums in the seats, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a nice last hurrah for the Canadian football league when, <laughs> when they, they align with the, the rock and, uh, I'm chewing down that steak dinner. You're going to owe me when they become, uh, uh, whatever they're going to call it, the XFL CFL, uh, abomination. So, uh huh, yeah. Well, we we will wait, and as I said, if proven wrong, I will gladly buy you a steak and I'll pour you a drink, and then leave you in a field to die. <laughs> that was fine. <laughs> but no, the I I said the news. The new I didn't expect any actual positive CFL news. I'm um, I think we discussed it on a previous podcast in regards to the fact that I thought that CFL season probably was not going to happen. So this is good news. I'm very happy to hear it. Uh, the December Grey Cup, uh, I was really looking forward to going to Hamilton. I was weary of it for a... First time ever anybody ever said that. Excited well, to go to Hamilton. I, I will say, and uh, I think my brother-in-law, uh, Jeff, listens to these on occasion, but um, Hamilton is close to Buffalo, and depending on certain schedules, it would be pretty sweet to do a Sunday morning in Buffalo, take a limo back up to Hamilton and catch that game possibly take four years off my life in the course of a two-day period but but no i i think a december game in hamilton is probably be pretty fucking cold but we'll see how it comes together if if it if they get beat butts in the seats i will definitely attempt to be there yeah that's awesome you know i can't wait for uh Uh, that fan experience like you think about it going to a game especially a game that matters and and it the great cup for those american listeners and we know there's a few that that jump on every once in a while um you know the great cup is canadiana uh you know the great cup is ingrained in our in our history as sports fans you know there's there's just something about november 
in Canada, um, a, a great cup game, right? Uh, you know, a sold out stadium, 60, 70,000 people uh, getting together to celebrate the game that they love, right? So um, that's where I think people are losing their friggin' minds in regards to the XFL, CFL stuff is that um, the worry is that we're going to lose the Canadian culture or the Canadian content uh, from that game. But I sit on the fence as a fan that uh, more kids today are growing up watching the NFL, watching four down football and uh, more aligned with that brand, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the, the great cup, great cup crowd, the CFL fan base is an older fan base and uh, it needs to market to young people, you know, hence back when we go back to the conversation about um, the name of the Edmonton football team, the Edmonton double E football team. If that's what we're still calling it. I can't believe they haven't released a, they haven't released name a name. Like, just get off your, just get a name out. It's eight. Was it April? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> season starts in June, man. If it was regular times, just get a name out there or just yeah. call them the double E's, whatever. Just do it. But that being said, I, I don't know. I think, you know, this could be one of the last great cups we see in this type of format, to be brutally honest with you, Jeff. Yeah, I know. There's obviously that chance. Um, well, we'll see how it shakes out. I, I've waxed poetic about the Grey Cup and the Grey Cup Festival uh, many times on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure people all around me get very tired of hearing it, but if you want the most uniquely Canadian experience in regards to drinking with friendly fans, taking pictures, hanging out with people you've never met, and then really weirdly seeing people who dress up, people who are dressed up in costume, seeing them at every Grey Cup. I, like, I have no idea who these people's names are, but I've got photos with them from multiple years, and I'm like, I just keep seeing the same people. You buy them a beer, you say, how's it going? You find out they're from Vancouver, and it, it is it is nuts. Um, it is uniquely Canadian, uh, super friendly, and you can drink your face off. I'll definitely say that. It's a love affair, right? Like, people people grow, grew up with it, right? It, it, it's something that became ingrained in us, right? Like, you know, if you look at Edmonton in the 80s, you know, Warren Moon, one of the greatest quarterbacks in history, um, spent his early career in Edmonton, you know, uh, throwing the old leather leather ball around uh, Commonwealth Stadium with uh, Tom Wilkinson and the boys. Right? It's uh, he he couldn't get a job in the NFL, and he started out in Canada and uh, and w- paved the way to to NFL greatness. Right? So um, you know they won five Grey Cups in that span. You know, and 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 helped Edmonton get the moniker City of Champions, which yep. I know you know see people who are outside of Edmonton or outside of North or Canada, I guess, should say, well, what makes that a champion? But from our point of view, you know, Edmonton was winning Stanley Cups and they were winning Grey Cups, and you know that whole going back to that whole whole evil empire thing. You know, I think the Eskimos have sixteen Grey Cups in that in that timeline, and uh, you know we're one of the most hated franchises in, in CFL history because we have a, a rich history of winning. Right. So, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but, uh, <laughs> uh I, uh, I would, I, I hope they get a name out. I hope the rock markets the shit out of this league. I hope it's successful <laughs> spring football. Um, I don't care if it's four down football. Um, I'm actually, I think it'd be fun. A little change is good. Um, you know, and if it puts more bums in the seats, um, when we're playing the uh, St. Louis Battlehawks, um, we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I think uh, hopefully we have a listener in California who recognizes that Compton is actually called the City of Champions and be like, the fuck is Edmonton stealing our shit for? (laughs) (laughs) I will say I I have a little hope for the youth when it comes to the CFL. Um, A lot of young children enjoy going to the games because it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, Then our whole section is once again, relatively safe to leave your kids in without some drunk (laughs) yelling at them. Cheap daycare. Cheap daycare. That's how it was for me when I was a kid. But we're gonna I, do a pod on the knothole gang. We're gonna do a full podcast and bring some people in and talk about the knothole gang. Uh, yeah, I could I could wax poetic about that. But I will. Uh, the one quick story I will tell. So after drinking until about eight o'clock at night, while starting at noon in the Eskies room, uh, while it was here in Edmonton, which was which was fun, obviously because I could sleep in my own bed. Uh, we uh, disadjourned out to the stamps room. Uh, we kind of broke off as a giant group while waiting individually to get in there. I was waiting with a a friend and a young 18, 19 year old man was hanging out with, um, what I assume was his dad actually. And he was like, he's like, this is my first great cup festival. And I'm like, that's incredible, man. Uh, can I buy that Mickey a fireball off you? And he sold it to me for 20 bucks. (laughs) And I think I went home an hour later. (laughs) (laughs) Fireball, the official drink of Grey Cup. It pretty much is. That's what I was drinking Grey Cup in Edmonton years ago, where the one guy we know who we were with uh, pointed out, uh, was wondering if somebody died in the bathroom because there was a lineup and uh, somebody had died. So uh, bull the old foot in the mouth, but uh, he was clinking that uh, fireball bottle right down the upper levels of the Commonwealth stadium. And it was cold <laughs> as shit, but uh, it was a uh, Bachman Turner overdrive or whatever their name is. Turner Bachman overdrive. BTO, was playing yeah. and BTO. And it, it kicked ass, man. Halftime show. That's another thing. Great cup halftime show. Always kicks ass. I always rocks. I think of the, uh, I'm going to say like eight or nine great cups I've been to. I think I've watched one halftime show. <laughs> I always just leave. <laughs> Go Ladies strut- and gentlemen, Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. Live? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right. With that good news being said, uh, anything you want to wrap up with? No, man. Uh, fun podcast tonight. Uh, looking forward to next week. This was episode 23. We did not go back oh, in time good. to 21. We're, we're moving forward. So uh, lots of lots of good stuff to talk about. Lots of things happening. New budget by the government. Um, you know, we could talk about the queen. Wondering if she's alone right now. She just had her 95th birthday. First time alone without her husband. Uh, we can talk about that in future podcasts. Or not. Probably not. Probably uh, not. But- yeah (laughs) a little sad but probably not nah not really you're 95 you got to expect that shit was going to go down eventually but um anyways uh yeah no i'm good let's uh let's uh, leave the listener uh, wanting more hopefully and uh come back next week stronger than ever absolutely i'll i'll sign off with this this is the last time i'll ever do this but glory glory man united die in a fire Good night, listener. Thanks again for listening to those Canadian Lads podcast. Give us a follow on social media. We're on the Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you like what you heard, give us a follow and share it with your friends. Thanks again, and have a great night. <laughs>